0: I'm Alex Ditch, and this is Season 1, Episode 1 of Freak Me Out, a pop culture podcast on horror. The first season of this podcast is going to be on horror movies. I'm going to be reviewing horror movies. Um, I'm very excited about it. I spent a large chunk of my adulthood not consuming any horror movies. I barely watched movies at all. In fact, um, I was in two bad marriages and I didn't have a lot of time for, for films, but I love films. I love horror movies specifically. So now that I am freshly divorced, my new hobby is digging into horror films and making this podcast telling you guys what I think about those horror films. So yeah, I'm so super stoked about it. Um, I when I had this idea that I that I would go through and go reach back in time and make up for the lost time um, and watch all those horror movies that I missed, I went on Facebook and I was like, "Hey, tell me what horror movies you like, guys. Let me let me hear it." And so I have a list. I have a list from my family and friends of horror movies that I am gonna watch and record episodes for. But if you have a horror film that you think I should watch, you can email me at freakmeoutpod at gmail.com and if you're convincing enough, I will bump you up to the top of the list and I'll watch that movie and I'll mention you by name in my podcast um, so you can tell your friends that your name is on uh, the internet somewhere in a random podcast from a random person. But yes, um, one thing that I really, I need you guys to know is that if you wouldn't watch the movie that's in the title of this episode or any episode, don't listen to the podcast episode because a lot of horror films feature, um, messed up shit. There's going to be like sexual assault and murder and graphic creepy things. And so if you wouldn't listen to that, if you wouldn't watch that on TV, then you shouldn't listen to this. Um, it's also going to contain spoilers and opinions. And I am a feminist and a weirdo. So if you're not prepared to hear some feminist opinions and some weird opinions, then please, um, go away. I don't like you and I don't need to deal with you. So just, bugger off and let me go about my business and you do likewise jerks the first movie that was on my list um was midsummer and that's what i'm going to be talking about here today i was interested in this movie for two reasons um the first is a a while back i had a dream about my friend rachel and uh It was that I I texted her about it. I said, Rachel, you know, you were in my dream last night. Uh, My dream was that you and a group of other people were going into the forest like Midsummer Night's Dream. And I felt like I should tell you just in case you have some kind of forest or uh, Shakespeare related issue going on in your life. That maybe this can, uh, maybe the the universe sent me this dream to tell you something. I don't know. and she was like, oh man, you know, I don't think that I have any any terrible fate b- awaiting me that has to do with Midsummer Night's Dream, but I did watch Midsummer last night. So there's that. And uh, Rachel's pretty cool. So the fact that she watched Midsummer made me think, oh, that maybe that movie is pretty cool. I don't know. Also, it is on Amazon Prime for free for for Prime members right now. So when I saw it, I was kind of like, you know maybe I'll take a dive into, into this horror thing and get in touch with that part of myself. Um, so that's the first movie that I'll be reviewing. Uh, it came out in 2019 from director Ari Aster. He did the film Hereditary, which as of the time of recording, I have not seen yet. Um, and I didn't, I didn't even know it was the same person until after, um, I watched *Midsummer*. Um, it has, an 83% freshness rating from critics on Rotten Tomatoes and 63% from audiences, which I think is interesting um, that that's not that much. So people did not like this movie, I guess. Um, did it scare me? No, it did not. I don't think that this movie is scary. It is gory. Um, it is disturbing for sure, but it's not really scary and it seems like it didn't really want to be scary specifically. I don't know. There were a couple of moments that made me jump a little bit. Um, but I didn't walk away from it thinking, ah, I'm so scared. Like I'm going to have nightmares and shit. Like it didn't, it didn't do that to me. And I don't think that it did that to a lot of people. So maybe that's the reason for the, for the low, um, audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, so a brief synopsis of this film is that, um, a college student visits a pagan cult in Sweden with her terrible boyfriend and his problematic friends in the wake of losing her family to a murder-suicide. Um, the pagan cult is murderous and racist and rapey, and a lot of people die. And it's very, very sad. This movie is beautifully shot. Um, the the scenery it's actually, I think they said it was shot in Belgium, even though it's set in Sweden. But uh, the the scenery is absolutely gorgeous. Just beautiful 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 mountains and trees and it's really interesting to see the contrast between like the the heavy floral imagery alongside like very explicit gore like people's heads caved in and things like that like it's truly wild. Um, I, I really enjoyed that juxtaposition. Um, it's also really interesting to see the relationships in this movie. This movie is really about um, interpersonal relationships, um, which is really really interesting to see. I kind of hate the boyfriend in this movie. He you the movie starts out with basically the girl part of the relationship, the female in the relationship, Danny. She is worried, you know, you see her taking anti-anxiety medicine and then, you know, you see the, the murder suicide of her family go down, which is just, it's very graphic. Um, and then she is having an absolute breakdown, which, you know, of course, obviously that is what would happen. Um, her boyfriend, you see him at a diner or something. With his bros and one particular bro is like, oh my God, your girlfriend is abusive because she's calling you too much. And, you know, just typical asshole bullshit, dummy shit. And, you know, he's obviously framed as a dum-dum, like the movie is not condoning this behavior by any means. Um, what's really interesting about that scene is that th- it's another scene in the movie where they use the artwork that's behind the, the, the people in the scene, the actors, as to allude to like the spirit of the movie. So when they are having that conversation and the guy is being super misogynistic, the picture behind them is like two women with um, like a lot of cleavage showing kind of posed with forced smiles in a, in a diner type situation. So I thought that that was really interesting. Art is used throughout the movie to um, foreshadow, the events that are going to take place or to kind of illustrate dynamics between characters so i really really i really really like that i love art i'm a big art appreciator so um the use of art in that way in this film excited me big time um so throughout the movie you see this the boyfriend Um, making bad choices and putting people in uncomfortable situations and pretty much being a douche which that's I I found it interesting that this film highlighted that part of the relationship this character is obviously meant to be a heel and when I first watched this movie I was really I really enjoyed how he died (laughs) Because it it was, like, satisfying for me to see, like, oh, yeah, that's right. This motherfucker is going to die in a freaking fire. That's what he deserves. But then I kind of considered uh, there's a scene in the movie where he is drugged and then coerced into having sex with a, a who in the movie is supposed to be an underage girl. The actress is actually 23. Um, which I needed to know. I had to go and look it up because I was like, no, 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 it, it hurt my soul too much to see this. Um, so, but no, the actress is 23 at the time that it was filmed. So totally not actual crimes occurring, which obviously it couldn't be, but like that, that worried me. That was the scariest part of this movie for me (laughs) was the worry that this was an underage sex scene which is irrational. That's the sound of my dog scratching. If you can hear that in the background, he's, he's not supposed to be part of this podcast, but anyway, yes. So the boyfriend, the boyfriend is drugged and coerced into having sex with an underage girl. And that part of it, I felt like was very fucked up this, this movie kind of deals with gender dynamics in an interesting way. I don't actually know if Ari Aster is a man or a woman. I kind of assumed that it was a man. It is a man. Yeah, Ari Aster is a man. So I think it's really interesting how this film deals with gender because you see the boyfriend is shitty, but at the same time, like you don't often see sexual assault on a man happening in film at least i haven't now i you know over the course of my adult life i haven't seen a lot of important films i haven't seen like a lot of the media that that people my age tend to consume i was uh, you know in two bad marriages so my focus was elsewhere but um i haven't frequently seen that kind of a dynamic play out on screen. And I thought that that was really interesting. It is sexual assault, even though he did go through the motions of of committing this act. Like he definitely decided to penetrate this person, but he was drugged and he was coerced and he was led through this. Um, so I can, it, I, it is definitely sexual assault that we're seeing, um, even though he seems to be a willing participant. The fact that he was drugged and coerced does make that a sexual assault Um, and that being a part of this movie was very interesting to me so it kind of made me i felt empathy for that character after considering that you know he he was a victim in this way it helped me empathize and kind of look at that part of myself that was like fuck yeah kill the kill the bastard like okay he's a douchebag but does he deserve to be you know assaulted sexually and murdered? Like, probably not. Maybe no. Maybe maybe don't be a psychopath, Alex. <laughs> so that was really interesting to me. Another thing that was um, interesting that happened to him uh, leading up to the the sexual assault, he is... I don't even know what to call it. But basically, so this is a, a cult, a murdery, sexy cult that the, the group is introduced to in Sweden and they have a lot of weird rituals and weird customs. So earlier in the film before you figure out that they are in fact murderous the, that the cult is really truly evil, you see a mural that that depicts a a young girl introducing her menstrual fluid into food and drink. And then serving it to a young man who then falls madly in love with her. So this is kind of like a blood magic situation that they believe in. That is actually done to this bad boyfriend whose name I can't remember. I think Christian. Christian. That happens to Christian. There's a girl named Maya in the the cult who decides that she wants to get it on with Christian. And she puts her menstrual fluid and pubic hair into his food and drink. Which... Is also super weird to see in a film. Like, you hardly ever see menstruation brought into the situation. And then to have it not only talked about, showed in the film, but also, like, kind of pushed into, like, literally in his face, in his face, that's very interesting to see. Um, I don't necessarily like the fact that menstruation was presented as a horrific aspect of this horror film, that's not great. But the fact that it was mentioned at all is kind of interesting. Yeah, but yeah, having a, that's probably bad. Actually, as a feminist, I'm going to go ahead and say that that is bad. That menstruation was used as a a horrific device to, to freak people out. It's probably not great. At first I was thinking, oh, hey, that's neat. You know, that they would put that in there Uh, but no, actually it's kind of like the, um, supernatural pregnancy trope, which I also hate where, you know, you know, the person is pregnant by an alien or they're impregnated with a demon. Like, I really hate that. That is like making the female body and the female reproductive system into some kind of like terrifying thing, um, which it is not, it is just normal, natural shit, but yeah, making it grotesque. That's what it is. That's, that's anti-woman shit. So I, that, that bothers me a little bit that, that they used that as a, as a way to freak people out. Interesting that it was in the film at all though. So let's get back on track here. Sorry. I'm looking at my notes. Something else that was really interesting in the film is that, um, I read some commentary after watching it about how the cult is also supposed to be racist, right? But they don't kind of they don't really explicitly say it. So two of the people who are brought by um by cult members into the celebration are Indian or brown in some way. Uh they're from England, so I think that they're I think they're Indian, but they're brown people. And then one of the people who comes from America, the character Josh is played by the same actor who plays Cheety in the Good Place, whose name I'm going to look up right now because that's not acceptable. William Jackson Harper. He, I love him. I love the way that he is. His personality makes me very happy to see. He, in this film, plays uh, someone who's very scholarly. He uh, shares a college class with the Uh, douchebag boyfriend. And throughout the movie, you see kind of how he's the smartest and no one really kind of gives a shit because it's a bunch of douchey dudes. And he is probably the most interesting character in the film for me, because I, I, I identify with kind of like the spirit of journalism where he's, he comes to this cult and he's like, I'm doing my research on this, you know, this is what I'm going to do my thesis on. And um, he is objective in his observations. He is, you know, he asks probing questions. And of course, you know, the, the murder cult is not super down with that. They're like, Oh, you know, like, no, you can't take pictures. But at the same time, they kind of are explaining things to him, which is a little confusing. Um, probably because they know that they're going to kill him. Like when they see that he is a black man, they're like, oh, well, he's got to go because, you know, obviously we're racist. Um, but what's interesting to me is that, um, there were two big incidents in the film that are kind of overtly racist or like discriminatory against this guy. Um, the first one is that the douchebag boyfriend decides that he is going to do his thesis on the same subject as Josh, the African-American character. Um, he confronts him about this. Josh confronts or no Christian confronts Josh about the fact that he's going to do his thesis on it on the same thing as him. And, uh, in that scene, you see that Josh comes back at him and is like, Hey man, this is not cool. Like what you're doing is unacceptable. This is bad behavior. And, uh, Christian is just like, I'm going to fucking do it anyway. I don't really give a shit. So he's just going to, walk all over josh uh take his idea and re- just remorselessly be like yeah i'm gonna take from you why would i not take from you who gives a shit i'm gonna fucking do it um and that felt i i i felt a pain in my heart that they did that to the black character um and, and when i first watched this film i didn't realize that the director and the you know the the spirit of the film was supposed to highlight that there was racism occurring so i thought oh this is a racist movie like they're doing that to this black character the only black character they're you know doing this to him and i don't i don't like that um another thing is that so you see characters kind of drop off throughout the beginning of the film or like the middle as we're ramping up toward you know seeing that this cult is actually murderous you don't really know that they're being killed until you see Josh's character killed on screen. So I didn't. I, when I saw that, I was like, oh shit, did, are they doing the black guy dies first trope? For real? Like, that's. This is not that kind of movie. Like, this is not a hokey satirical movie where that would be like, oh yeah, haha, you know, horror films do that. This is like a serious film, and the first on screen death of a party member is the black guy. Now, I can see arguments against this because you do see two human sacrifices before that and you see the murder-suicide at the very beginning of the film. So he's not the first person to die on screen. That's true. He's not the first person to be shown as dead on screen. Um, but he is the first person within the American party, like within the, the, the people that are not from the cult. He's the first one that you see be killed on screen, and to me, that felt like it really does feel like the black guy dies first trope, um, which I'm not super comfortable with. I don't know. I I wish that they had made it more obvious that the film is trying to highlight the racism, because it it on on my initial time the first time I watched the movie it didn't translate as look how racists behave it translated as we did this to this black character and that that was not that was not great for me Um, now I did mention that this movie is not scary (laughs) Um, it's not actually a scary movie at all Um, it's very disturbing for sure but it's not um, it's not like terrifying by any means. So the scariest scene for me in the movie comes at the very end. You see the character Danny, who is the girlfriend, um, who whose parents died at the beginning. Um, throughout the film, it's made clear that she has she's going through something, and then she also had an anxiety disorder. To begin with, because you see her take the Ativan at the beginning of the movie um, before she knows that her her parents have been murdered. So clearly that was already something that was going on with her. Um, Then throughout the film, whenever somebody says the word family, you see Danny's character kind of break down like she has to excuse herself. You see her crying in the bathroom at several parts throughout the movie. Um, And it's not until she she wins a competition, the May Queen competition And, um, you know, everybody is elevating her and exalting her and, you know, like, oh my God, you did so good. And she's also drugged at this point. Um, you know, before the competition, they give her that same, um, herbal tea, which they're using, it seems like to, to drug people. So you see that they are exploiting kind of her, her mental state to, to bring her into the cult. They want Danny in the cult. Um, Pele, the guy that actually that came brought the Americans to the cult, um, mentions that he, you know, wanted her to come from the beginning, and he was most excited about her joining them. Um, and then you see her the first time that the word family is used in the film that doesn't cause her to have a breakdown is after she wins the May Queen competition, when they're all sitting at the table, one of the cult members turns to her and says, now you're part of our family. And she's just happy about that. My dog is very disturbed. Do you hear that? What? The wagging his tail. What? Do you want lovins? You just want lovins? Oh, my God. You're such a nerd. This is my nerdy papa. He just wants revenge. Oh my goodness! Silly dog. Anyway, so yeah, that's she clearly has been brainwashed to to you know basically become a part of this cult. At the end of the film, she is charged with choosing between her boyfriend and uh, another member of the cult to sacrifice and she ends up choosing her boyfriend who she witnessed basically in the act of having sex with this underage girl which you know she didn't realize he'd been drugged and coerced and all of this so it caused her to have a breakdown which further you know trauma bonded her to this cult but uh, you see her at the very end while she's watching him. She's watching the building that he is in burn. And she knows that he's burning alive. Uh, and that it's pretty much she did this to him. Right? She chose to watch him die. And uh, you see her freaking out. Like she is breaking down. She's in this huge flowery dress. And she's, uh looks like a slug crawling across the screen. Because she's like in this huge dress. And she's crying and weeping. and And then as the... The building continues to burn you see her kind of transition into a a calmness and then right before the movie cuts you know right before the the credits you see her smile as the building is collapsing under under the the flames and uh that to me is the scariest part of the movie because it highlights how susceptible human beings are to manipulation. Like, I this is a fantasy situation. Like, this is not real, but people get brainwashed, and it's it's vulnerable people a lot of the time. But it really, it really can be anyone. Um, Danny is particularly vulnerable, but she's vulnerable in ways that are super common like a lot of us have anxiety disorders. A lot of us have had traumatic things happen in our lives and are are struggling with mourning something or, or another. And there are people in this world, a lot of people in this world who are more than willing to exploit that in order to, you know, get us to do what they want us to do. And, uh, that being the main kind of over that's that's Danny's arc, and I think that's the scariest part of this movie. Um, she witnesses unspeakable violence and tries to resist it. Um, she wants to go home at one point she she has that, you know that that fight in her, but it's so easily squashed because she is so vulnerable. Um, and that's really. That was my main takeaway from this movie is that, you know, they, they used, they took somebody who was vulnerable and exploited her. And, uh, basically at the end of the movie, what you're left with is kind of this idea that Danny is now a part of the cult and that she's going to go on and continue, continue to be in that shit. Um, and that's really that's just truly wild. Um, it's it it makes me think about you know how to how to stay on top of my mind, like question everything, make sure that you're thinking for yourself, your opinions are your own, and like really. Resist becoming complacent with things that are not acceptable. It's really easy to do. It's really easy to say, Hey, they're my friend or like, Hey, you know, like these people are nice. Um, and, and dismissing things that, that, you know, are not okay. Um, I don't want to ever, 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 ever do that. Um, and I hate the times in my past that I have. So Yeah, that's the main, that's my main takeaway from, from Midsummer. is like, don't allow yourself to become complacent with things that you, uh, know are wrong. Uh, keep on the lookout for, for people who are trying to, to get you to be okay with things that you're not okay with. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much it. So the next movie, which I've already seen, uh, the next movie I'm going to do is Poltergeist, which is old. But great. I saw it for the first time last month, and I can't wait to talk to you guys about it. So um, let me know if you have a movie suggestion. You can email me at freakmeoutpod at gmail.com, and I'll talk to you guys again soon.